Welcome to Bible study with Angelo. My name is Angelo and I love the Lord Jesus. This podcast is for those that want to learn to walk with God and hear and then apply the many precious truths revealed in the Word of God. The goal of this podcast is to bring us into a sanctified living in alignment with the will of God according to Scripture and ultimately being made ready for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. May this next episode bless you. Just before we begin this episode, I would like to summarize part one of Law vs. Faith in Christ, episode 13. I do strongly advise the listener that if you have not heard episode 13, I suggest you go back and you listen to episode 13, since that is part one, and this episode will follow on from where we left off in the last episode. So in part one, we saw that it is important to get to know the Word of God. If you know the original, you will know all the counterfeits. It's also better to be condemned by the world and stand with God than it is to be condemned by God and stand with the world. It is possible if a Christian wants to obey the Lord at all costs, the enemy will come in and put law upon him. And how he does this is he uses his own strength against him. So, oh, you want to be obedient to God now? Okay, I'm just going to place the law on top of you and really make you struggle throughout your Christian life. So he uses his own strength against him. Just like if you were to see two people fighting and both are pushing against one another in a fight and all of a sudden the one fighter uses the strength of the other fighter against him and instead of resisting, he pulls forward and uses his own weight against him and throws him onto the floor. That's what the devil will do with a Christian uh, who wants to be obedient to the Lord and want to keep God's commandments. But then inadvertently what happens is that Christian falls from grace because now they come under the law. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do to harm the Christian's faith. We have to realize that the law is not just the Ten Commandments. The law is the entire Old Testament, the law and the prophets. It's all 613 laws and all of them must be kept. If one of them are broken, then all of them are broken. So if you want to keep the law, it's really not possible. You'd have to do the sacrifices. You'd have to keep all those laws and endeavor to keep them all. Thus we saw that you cannot have both the law and walk hand in hand with Christ. Just like you cannot sit in a swimming pool and remain dry. It is the one or the other. Then we had a look at the three dispensations. We saw that from Genesis to John the Baptist was the dispensation of the Father. And then from Matthew chapter 3 to Christ's ascension is the dispensation of the Son. And then from Pentecost to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is the dispensation of the Spirit. So three dispensations, the dispensation of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then we took these three dispensations and we placed them in, for the sake of analogy, the education system. That being primary school, then high school, then university or college or tertiary education. 
Because when we look at the three dispensations, we see a progression in the word of God. The one builds upon the other. So we can say the dispensation of the father is primary school. And then the dispensation of the son is high school. And then the dispensation of the Holy Spirit is university. Primary school is not the finals. You need primary school to go to high school. The one doesn't exclude the other. They build upon one another. There's a development. What's happening in Christianity today is that basically we come now to grace. Forget about the law. Forget about everything else you learned in primary school. Uh, you are now in high school. And that's not how it works. You see, in primary school, I learned my ABCs and how to form sentences. And now I move to high school. The teachers don't say, okay, now forget what you learned. Forget about the ABC and sentence structure. Welcome to high school. No, it is needed, but it's built upon. We don't stay now just with ABCs and sentence structure. Now we work on complex things like comprehension. And there's just a development, as you can see. It is foolishness if you are in university and you want to sit in the mud and play with clay like a little child would in primary school. And that is the point that Paul was trying to make with us going back to keeping feasts and Sabbaths and new moons. Because now, brothers and sisters, you are in university, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit and now you want to go back and circumcise yourselves. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You're going back to primary school. What we have to realize is what is expected of you in university is much higher than what was expected of you in primary school. And you see how this now flipped. So now we come to faith in Christ and we're told, okay, it's a free for all. You're under grace. We're not under law. We're under grace. And so we can just do what we want to. And um, there's this idea that maybe because I have the blood of Christ now, it's okay if uh, I willfully sin. Well, that's not the case because more is expected of you in university than in primary school. And that's why it's helpful to see this development. We're not taking away with what we learnt in primary school. The moral law of the Ten Commandments shouldn't be broken by a New Testament Christian. However, a New Testament Christian is not under that anyway, because he's under something much higher. He's under grace, and the, the responsibility is greater. And I'll expand upon this just now. The Old Testament is about do not, do not, do not in the Ten Commandments, right? But in the New Testament, the Lord is saying you have to do the will of the Father. Not just do nots now, but you have to do the will of the Father. You need to lay your life down for your brothers and sisters. You need to pick up your cross daily. You need to deny yourself and you need to follow him. He said, if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. What's a higher requirement? Keeping the Ten Commandments or what I just mentioned. And that's where people have missed this crucial matter. That it doesn't mean now it's a free for all because we're under grace. In fact, the bar has been raised. We see this glorious matter, the Mount of Transfiguration, where 
the Lord Jesus is there. Peter, James and John have come up this mountain and then Moses and Elijah appear. And Peter wants to now start building tents because he has his role models, you can say. Moses and Elijah and the Lord Jesus. Wow, that's quite a thing. But very quickly, the father speaks and what he says is profound. He says, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. He might as well said, hear him only. And the other two disappeared. So when we look at John chapter 12, verse 48, the words that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. That's what the Lord Jesus spoke. So the words of the Lord Jesus will judge us on the last day. It doesn't say the words of Moses or Elijah. Why? Because that was primary school now. Do you see? In Matthew chapter 5, we see that the Lord Jesus says, You have heard that you shall not murder, but I tell you, so what is the Lord Jesus actually doing? He's raising the bar. He's mentioning the Ten Commandments. You've heard that you shall not murder. But then he makes the requirement higher. He says, basically, if you lose your temper with your brother, you are liable to the judgment. So with Moses, you could get away with losing your temper with your brother, so long as you didn't kill him. But with the Lord Jesus, just by losing your temper with your brother, you are liable to the judgment. Do you see the progression? We move from primary school now to high school, the dispensation of the Son. Clearly the Lord indicates here that His words supersede the law. We look at Romans chapter 8 verse 14 and it says, For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then Galatians 5.18 but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If we combine these scriptures, we come to this conclusion. The sons of God who are led by the Spirit are not under the law because they are in university now. Why are they in university? Because now they're being led by the Spirit of God. Not just merely the law, but they are actually being led by God himself, which is much greater, much higher. Again, I want you to see the progression. We moved from primary school, then to high school, and now to university or college. My brothers and sisters, it is either Jesus or Moses. You cannot be under the leading of Jesus if you are stuck under Moses primary school. We need to progress from primary school, the law, move on to high school, the dispensation of the Son, the teachings of Christ, and then eventually the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, where we are being led by the Spirit of God. And these who are led by the Spirit of God, these truly are the sons of God. And these ones are definitely not under the law, but they are under grace. Then we looked at a wonderful example concerning gravity and an aeroplane. Gravity being the law and the aeroplane being the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how do we get saved from being legalistic? We need to learn to abide in Christ. Gravity is operating all the time. And if you go throw something up, it must come down. But when you're in an aeroplane, a different law takes over, a higher law. 
And that's got to do with abiding in Christ. You see, when you are living by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, you're in the airplane. Gravity is still operating, but you're not subject to it anymore. You're under a higher law, the law of the Spirit of life. And we see that in Romans chapter 8. As a simple example, imagine taking a book and holding it out arm's length. Maybe you could hold that book for a few minutes, a few hours. But eventually, gravity is going to win. Your arm is going to get so tired holding out against gravity. And your very arm is going to disobey you and drop the book. Because you won't be able to hold it out against gravity anymore. And that's what happens when people are under law or where people are not abiding in Christ, when a Christian is not abiding in Christ and walking by the Spirit, they're fighting against gravity. And it's a matter of time where, where gravity will win against them. So we have to learn, stop fighting gravity and get into the airplane. Get into Christ. Abide in Christ. And that's where a healthy prayer life comes in. And reading the word, meditating the word, being focused, filling your mind with the word of God. Fellowship with your fellow brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 to 40. We have the lawyer asking Jesus a question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the entire Old Testament right there. If you are abiding in Christ, you have a strong prayer life and you read your Bible on a constant basis, it is nearly impossible to fall away. Stay in the airplane. The devil wants you to drop out of the airplane so that he can smash you with gravity. Abiding in Christ supersedes the law. Remember that the law cannot give life. All the law can do is show you how sinful you are. But it cannot actually clean your face. Imagine your face was dirty. All it will show you is the mirror and show you, hey, your face is dirty. But it cannot actually clean your face as well. The law acts as a mirror, juxtaposing God's nature against your sinful nature. So the function of the law is to show you that you're a sinner and you need a savior. Now that you've come to the Savior and He can clean your face and fill you with His Spirit, why would you want to go back to the law? And that is what Paul was trying to fight. There were some that were telling the Christians, okay, it's good that you've come to Christ, but now you need to be circumcised. Oh, are you not keeping the Sabbath? Oh, well, then you're not saved really. And that's what Paul was trying to address Brothers and sisters, please do not go back to primary school. Those things were shadows of the things to come. Now Christ has come. We can do away with the shadows. We have the reality. Now remain in Christ. Grow in Christ. Be filled with the word of God. And love one another even as Christ loved you. This brings us into how to remain in the airplane. We have to realize that love is not a feeling. It is an act of our will. James shows us that faith without works is dead. 
Faith works through love. Love is an act, not a feeling, but a choice. Faith without works is dead. You might as well say faith without love is dead. And that was Paul's point. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Then verse 4 goes on to say, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. It doesn't think evil. Verse 6, Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, listen carefully. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. We jump to verse 13, and now abide, faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Matthew 25 verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. These are all acts of love, choosing another's highest good at all times, wanting to help your fellow man, wanting his highest good. So then how do I keep God's commandments without falling into legalism? Through acts of love. Legalism is trying to score brownie points or trying to score favor with God. So it's in order to score favor with God. That's what legalism is about. But being under grace is being filled with the love of Christ and moved by spirit that you want to serve your fellow man. You want to seek his highest good. You want to love your neighbor, not just your brother and sister. Note that. But your neighbor, every person that you come across, you want to minister to them. You want to help them. And you want to love them through acts of love. There is no law against this. Again, to reference Paul, if you have no love, you have nothing. We see the same sentiment echoed through the Apostle John. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Please take note of the following. It is so possible to go to weekly Bible studies, attend church every Sunday, have your prayer meetings, and yet not care about your neighbor. You see, that's hypocrisy. 
that is not love. Because we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the Son of God, we do good works that glorify our Father in heaven. Works are a proof of your faith in Christ and particularly these acts of love toward your neighbor and seeking their highest possible good. The Pharisees did good works in order that they may score brownie points with God. The New Testament Christian does good works because of the fact that he loves God and therefore he loves his fellow man. And he shows that through acts of love and taking care of his neighbor, having empathy for his neighbor. There is an eternity of difference between in order to and because of. The Pharisees in order to, but the New Testament Christian because of. Because I am filled with the Spirit of Christ, because I love God my Father, because the love of God is poured in my heart, I truly do love my neighbor, and I truly do want to see and seek his highest good. It's not because I have to, but it's because I want to. That is grace, my brothers and sisters. That is faith in Christ. Again, faith without works without acts of love, is dead. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. John chapter 15 verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. John chapter 13 verse 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And finally Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to conclude this summary in the following way. If you have taken care of your neighbors and you really do seek the highest possible good for them, there is no law against this. Truly the love of Christ is being perfected in you. If not, repent, seek the Lord and love your neighbor. And how do you love your neighbor? Through acts of love, through seeking the highest possible good. You have kept the commandments of Christ if you have done so. And of course, obviously abstaining from any immorality, any sin that would entangle you with this world. We will now move on to episode 14, Law vs. Faith in Christ, part 2. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here with Brother Pierre, and uh, this is part two of Law vs. Faith in Christ. Over to you, my brother. Thank you, Angelo. Let's go to 2 Peter 1, from verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now remember... Scripture says, Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, By grace you are saved through 
faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, so that no one can boast. So that is the groundwork, that's the foundation, faith. Jesus said in Acts 26, 18, that his children will be sanctified by faith that is in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith, we are saved by faith in Christ. Add to your faith virtue, that's the second step. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. That means self-control. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Galatians 5.22. And a godly lifestyle. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Now what is that? Loving your neighbor as yourself. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Now that is the old English word for love. Agape. Now when Jesus hung on the cross for six hours, he hung there in the most terrible pain. I don't think we, any artist or any drama man can ever describe what he went through. Uh, I don't think he had little feelings of love and stardust. He made a choice of willing the best of humanity. He made a choice. That is called charity or the godly love, agape. And that is the topmost. Jesus said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love has no man than this, than that what he lays down his life for his friends. And Jesus exemplified that. So again, the word of God spot checks itself. It starts with faith and it ends with agape, love. Galatians 5, 6, you remember that we've said faith works through love. And as Angelo has a uh, put the onus on it, he claimed this, that uh, faith without works, faith without love is dead. Now here it is again. The first step is faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love, charity. He says, for if these things be in you, verse 8, 2 Peter 1, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Verse 11. Now this is so profound. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, these eight steps from faith to charity, if you've got a lifestyle of these, this is definitely not commandments and laws and stuff. God says he'll put out the red carpet for you abundantly entrance into the heavenly kingdom. 
You know, what comes to mind now, what you've uh, stated is, when we mentioned these eight steps of 2 Peter 1, the Sabbath was not even mentioned. That is the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Now, there's a certain movement that makes the Sabbath the gospel. <laughs> well, if you make one facet of a diamond the diamond, it is not a diamond anymore. A diamond's got many facets. The gospel's got many facets. You cannot make one facet uh, the gospel. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 says that uh, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Now think about a very poisonous insect like a wasp or something. Let's say that insect's name is death. And scripture says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And Paul wrote that to Christians. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is eternal life? Father, that they know you and that they know Jesus Christ when you have sent. And this is how we know that we know him if we obey his commandments. Right? Love, faith, truth. Now, this insect is called death. And its sting is called sin. And the power of that sting is the law. Now think about when a bee stings a person. The sting remains behind, but those little muscles at the back of the sting, it sort of pump the poison into the victim. Now the analogy is that is a law. Now is a law evil? Paul has a whole discussion of that in Romans 6, 7 and 8. He says, no, the law is not evil. What is the purpose then of the law? Well, Romans 7, 7 and Romans 3, 20. We wouldn't have known sin unless it was by the law. We wouldn't have known that adultery is wrong if the law didn't tell us that. Uh, Spurgeon said that the golden thread of the gospel must be woven through the material of mankind with a needle of the law. In other words, like you said earlier on, Angelo, is like the law is like a mirror. The mirror shows me that my face is dirty, but the mirror cannot clean my face. The mirror indicates that I need someone to clean my face. It indicates me towards the Savior. Galatians 3 verse 22 and further. But the scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. So the law, as an insulating factor, it's got a keeping factor, it's got a preserving factor. Shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. When? 
when Jesus Christ's words were, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say the kingdom of the law is at hand. Wherefore, verse 24 of Galatians 3, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now what is justified? It means to be cleared of all guilt, just as if you've never sinned. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now that reminds us of John 1.12. For all who have accepted him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to them gave he, the Father, the right to become the sons of God. That reminds me of Acts 13, verse 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe, believe, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. You are justified just as if you've never sinned, cleared of all guilt, by which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law of Moses is the mirror, the schoolmaster, that shows you your face is dirty. But Jesus has the cloth of the blood of a lamb that can cleanse you of sin. Right? So the schoolmaster whacks you and uh, you come to Christ. Now, Pierre, since I'm not under the law, can I now kill and steal? And wow, have we not said that love is a fulfilling of the law and that love is the choice to will the highest good of another at all times? If you really love your neighbor, doing unto others as you would want them to do to you, you will not murder, you will not steal, you will not gossip, speak falsely, etc., etc., etc. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, What then shall we sin, because we are not under the law? but under grace. God forbid. Know you not, and he speaks to Christians, that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, the servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience, in brackets, love, unto righteousness. Verse 19, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And he says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, which means evil, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Romans 6, 21. For the end of these things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. That we covered in the previous podcast of 
once saved, always saved. And now, and remember, this was all written to Christians in Rome. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I think this answers it beautifully. Now, again, the purpose of the law. 1 Timothy 1 verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. And Paul mentions there in totality a class of 14 types of very evil people. He says the law is meant for these. Again, the analogy of the bowing and gravity. If you are righteous, in another sense, faith that works through love. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and Ephesians 6, the breastplate of righteousness. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, which is greater than the Pharisees' righteousness. That's one fifty percent of the bargain. Now, because of that righteousness that you've been imputed with, you live it out like the butterfly. Now, that is what God wants. 1 Timothy 1 verse 9 says that the law, or it implies that the law will be used by Jesus Christ, the judge, on judgment day against the ungodly. And Jesus said that those who believe in the Son will not come into condemnation. They've passed over from death unto life. And Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you know you are in Him? Well, you live by faith, love and truth. Holiness, sanctification. There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, for those who don't walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Some translations take out that second part. Again, half a truth is a lie. And beware of half-truths, you might get the wrong half. Alright? So, keep with the true word of God. And uh, we can maybe make this a teaching of another time, but the King James 1611 authorized version is the one I will trust for my eternity. Very, very important. Now, brother, that is profound. You mentioned... Romans chapter 8 verse 1 um, and verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Comma. Very important part. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you take that comma out, you've changed what that means. If I say, there is now no condemnation to you all who are in Christ Jesus, full stop. Yeah. Well, then you can do what you like. Mm. I can go and light a bus on fire <laughs> and do all sorts of wickedness. No, I'm in Christ. No condemnation. See, it's not congruent with what Scripture says. And that's coming again to um, uh, importance of which Bible translation and that you're aware of this. Go look at it up in Go look, compare the King James and the New King James to other versions and you'll see that. That comma is incredibly important 
because it's saying there is no condemnation to you if another condition you see yeah if you are walking according to the spirit mm. so what happens if you're walking according to the flesh brother or sister there is condemnation mm. that is a profound revelation it's not preached much about and you're hearing it yeah praise god so we can conclude this now that the new testament principle is to walk in the spirit and not by the deeds of the law to walk in the spirit now how do you walk in the spirit like well that sounds also very spiritual but how do you do it well how do you walk in the flesh well that's an easy question we go to galatians 5:19 and it tells you the works of the flesh heresy and witchcraft and all kinds of things in other words if you walk in the flesh you do the works of the flesh how do you walk in the spirit well you do the works of the spirit how do you walk walk means an action it says that those who are led led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god and the sons of god are not under the law that's the new testament's principle that is faith in christ because the holy spirit is jesus christ's spirit romans 8:9 says that those who do not have the spirit of christ do not belong to christ and we go back to our other podcast that every branch in me that does not bear good fruit will be cut off all right so how do you walk in the spirit you remain in the spirit by obeying him and being led by him to be led by him you've got to know him and how do you come to know a person while well, you spend time with him how do you come to know the holy spirit you must spend time with him how well with the word of god prayer waiting on him oh well that's that spiritual word again wait on him what does that mean well how do you wait on a bus <laughs> you wait till the bus arrives <laughs> you wait okay those who wait on the lord will receive new strength they will mount up with wings as eagles they will run not be weary and walk not faint Isaiah 40:31 The Hebrew word there means to be intertwined with you know like a cook sister okay a cook sister in the south african language on the south african uh, background is it's a sort of a cake that we dip in uh, in a sugary syrup when it's hot but it's uh, it's like two strands of of dough that uh, is intertwined like a rope and then it's baked in oil and when it is it's it's hot this dough you dip it in this syrup this sugary syrup and it sort of sucks in that syrup and it's 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 very very delicious yeah 
Now, to be intertwined with, you can also think of an intertwined rope. Yeah. How do you come to know the Holy Spirit? You spend time with Him. You listen to Him. But God works through clean channels. And that is where holiness comes from. And holiness and sanctification, the key word for that is obedience. Just plain obedience, faith, love and truth. Again, we repeat ourselves time and again. But it always boils down to that. I want to state here what Paul said, Philippians 3 verse 9, And be found in him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. You see, that's what the Pharisees had, their own righteousness. The I, me, my, and us three, the unholy foursome, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What is a child of God's relationship to the law? Again, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Romans 6 verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 8 verse 4. Now listen to this profound scripture. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That coincides with Romans 8 1. Romans 8 4. Romans 9 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is our faith. The scripture says in Genesis 15 that when God spoke to Abraham and he said, well, Abraham, I'm going to give you descendants and they will be like the sand of the sea and like the stars of heaven. Count them if you can. The scripture says Abraham believed God and God counted him that as righteousness. Now, in uh, Proverbs 10 verse 2, 10 verse 4, it says that righteousness delivers from death. Not only physical death, but eternal death. The Bible says that the lake of fire and brimstone is the second death. Re uh, Revelation 21 8. Also, Revelation 20 verse 14. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. I have to interject here and mention, coming to faith in Christ is about living the righteousness of Christ out in your life. And it's giving you the opportunity to do so. See, if you don't have Christ in your life and you don't know Christ, you're a sitting duck anyway. The law of gravity is operating and sin and death is just your, your um, what's the word, your portion. There's no alternative. The default is sin and death, finished. Gravity smashes you. Now you come to Christ, it's a little more complicated. And here's where the complication is. A Christian 
can still live after the flesh. You have to understand this. It is possible for a Christian to live according to the flesh. Galatians 5. And if that Christian lives according to the flesh, the result will be death. It's not, it's not different. Romans 8. It's right there. But somehow we thought, again, the ticket to heaven principle. I've now, I've said this in his prayer, or I've come to faith in Christ. You know, my pastor led me at an altar call, whatever. And somehow magically, I'm now in heaven. Mm. But no, God has now afforded you the opportunity. Something, yes, where his mercy comes in. You were, you were serpentine. You were an enemy of God. You were dead in your sins and offenses. And God has now given you an opportunity to turn away from that wickedness. You recognize, I don't want to be in this wickedness anymore. And I turn to Christ. Then you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the important part. You still can live after the flesh. But you, now the option is there to live according to the Spirit. And by the Spirit, you put to death the practices of the body. You shall live. What's the import? What am I getting at here? And it's so important to understand this. It's not a given that now that you've come to Christ, it's done. Ticket to heaven, wonderful, happy days. No, now you need to live according to the Spirit, these acts of love according to the Spirit of Christ. And living out that righteous living, that sanctified living. And it's that which conforms you to Christ's image. You're no longer bearing the resemblance of the serpent. What I mean by that is when you don't have to teach a baby to lie. Yeah, or let's not say a baby, a child. When a child grows up, he just starts lying. Why? Because of that na the serpentine nature in that child. Uh, the poison of sin, okay? But now that child gets to a point where he can believe in Christ. But what we tell people is, okay, you've now come to Christ. That's great. Your name is recorded in heaven. You're in the book of life. Everything's great. But it's not exactly so. What I'm finding here in, in, in your sharing, brother, is what we've got to grasp is that now I've been given the opportunity from God to live a righteous life in Christ Jesus. Mm. And how do I do this? Very practically. It's all good and well to say live according to the Spirit. What does that mean? I just have to uh, abide in Christ because apart from Him, I, you can do nothing. Read my Bible. Know the Word of God. Be filled with the Word of God. What the heart is full of, the mouth will speak. There's a transformation happening. But the key here is now Acts of love, seeking the highest good of my neighbor, not just my brother and sister. And in so doing, in so serving God, in so living the true Christian life, something spectacular takes place. Transformation and conformation to Christ's image. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory. If you don't get, if you live according to the flesh and you don't get conformed to the image of Christ, where does that put you? Then you're still serpentine. And, and, and that's the issue here. 
So we really have to grasp this. It's not a given now that, okay, now you're in Christ, everything's fine, smooth sailing. Now you need to run the race with endurance. And now you need to fight the good fight. By God's design, there's a part of you called the flesh that rejects righteous living. And that part has to be reckoned dead. And what you're showing God is, I don't want to live an unrighteous life. This is repentance. I don't want to live a wicked life. A sheep should hate sin, not love sin. A pig loves sin. You know, if I'm comparing the two animals, a pig loves mud. A sheep doesn't love mud. That's where I'm going at with that. Okay. uh, You've actually shared this with me before, brother. You try and take a pig out of the mud, it will scream. (laughs) But if a sheep falls in the mud, it will scream. See the difference? is a nature change. But what I'm finding is, is that nature change evident in your life? And if it's not, you can just cry out to the Lord. You can say, Lord, have mercy on me. Because we should want to please our Father in heaven. We should want to do His will. We should want to seek the highest good of our neighbors and our brothers and sisters, whoever is around us, to magnify Christ in our workplace and wherever we are at, being ready in season and out of season. And it's through that process, that's how you get your wedding garment, isn't it, brother? Yes. And then you can attend the marriage supper of the Lamb, which not everyone is attending, by the way, because blessed is he who attends the marriage supper of the Lamb, meaning there are some that are not going to be there. The king finding that other guy, as you mentioned, in his bathing suit, possibly, (laughs) you know. Uh, How did you get in here, friend? How did you get in here? Bind his hand, bind his feet and throw him in the outer darkness. So this is crucial. Now you have faith in Christ. Now the Holy Spirit is in you. What now? Now you need to live the Christian life. Now you need to let that life of Christ live through you. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Praise God. Over to you, brother. That was really precious. Thank you for that sharing. Wow. Praise the Lord. Now, what you've shared is also very precious. Thank you, Angela. Well, there's hope. The scripture says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us. You see, this love doesn't need to be generated by us. You cannot generate love. It is a fruit. It's a facet of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 Now what do you do? Well, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Father, I need that love that you speak about. Please pour it into my heart as what you've promised in Romans 5.5 The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us. And God says, if we ask anything according to his will, that he will give it to us. 1 John 3, 22, huh? Then, how do you live it out? Like uh, Angela said, Galatians 6, 2, and we repeat ourselves, and that is bear one another's burdens. And so, in this manner, fulfill the law of Christ. James 1, 25. But whoso looks into the perfect love of into the perfect law of liberty. Now, what is that? That is love, agape, the godly love. And continues therein, continues therein. 
He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James 2, verse 8 and 12. If you fulfill the royal law, well, now what is the royal law? Well, love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, 18. According to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. Verse 12. So speak you, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Scripture says we will be judged by the law of love. What will happen at Judgment Day? Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. The difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and didn't do. I was hungry, thirsty, naked, stranger, sick, prison. Where were you? What you've done to the least of those who belong to me, you've done unto me, the Lord said. What you haven't done to the least of those who belong to me, you haven't done unto me. Now that is faith that works through love. And that is going to be the difference between sheep and the goats on Judgment Day. And that's got nothing to do with the works of the law. It is not a work of the law that Noah did by building the ark. Nowhere in the law it says you must build an ark. What did Noah do? He heard God. He obeyed God. And that was counted to him as righteousness. What did Noah do? He did action to his faith. And that is what God wants. Noah didn't build the ark because of to get brownie points with God. He did it because he obeyed. And the same with Abraham. Abraham was a, a Babylonian. He was an idolater living in Ur of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is another word for the Babylonians. And God said, get out of your country. Now, Abraham didn't know God before. And, well, he obeyed. And when God spoke to him again and promised him, he believed God. And Abraham became the father of all who believe. And scripture says, if you are in Christ, then are you the seed of Abraham. And according to the promise God has made Abraham, you are an heir. All right, the New Testament principle now is that the law is written on our hearts. In the Old Testament, God wrote on stone, and now he writes on the hearts. Hebrews 8, 10 and 11. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. That coincides with Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. 2 Corinthians 3, 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. So, all change starts from the inside. The world says you are changed from the outside in. Better a man's circumstances. Give him a car, give him education, give him this, give him that. 
Well, that is how you rear a brat. Hmm. <laughs> I was a poet and didn't know it. But Jesus says you must be born again. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things. And that's where all the evil starts. James says, where do the walls come from? And, you know, this killing and stealing. And where does it come from? James 4. Doesn't it come from the lusts that's in your hearts? But Jesus says, you must be born again. You must change. You must be transformed. The caterpillar must become a butterfly. There's no righteousness by the law. And remember Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, Righteousness delivers by, uh, from death. And I repeat what Acts 13, 38, 39 says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you forgiveness of sins. This man is Jesus Christ. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, Romans, written by Paul, one can consider as the crux of the New Testament. And the message of Romans is righteousness by faith. And Paul builds that around Abraham believed God and he counted it to him as righteousness. Romans 4.20 says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised him, he was able also to perform. God counts that as righteousness. Righteousness delivers from death. All right, that's not the law. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified, justified, cleared of all guilt, just as if you've never sinned, by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, be cleared of guilt. Galatians 3.21 Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, very righteousness should have been by the law. If there was a law that could give life, then righteousness should have been by the law. So clearly um, it's, it shows us that the, the law is the mirror. The mirror can't clean your face, brothers and sisters. It can't clean your face. Mm. And, and that's why you can't say that the law is evil either. No, it's just the mirror. But now it's faith in Christ that cleans your face. Hallelujah. True. And walking according to love, according to the Spirit, in obedience to God, by acts of love, seeking the highest good for your brother and sister. That means a lot to God. It really does. When you help someone, when you bear your brother in love, when you take care of your neighbor, whoever. And can you imagine if you're not taking care of your brother? That's not good, you see. So you, you're expected to take care of your neighbor, but there are some Christians that couldn't care about their brothers or sisters. This word is now for you, and I speak it in love. One really has to check themselves before the Lord on this matter, because the requirement is your neighbor. Never mind your brother and sister. They're a first priority, you know, in this matter.
But you don't exceed the Pharisees if you're just taking care of your brother and sister either. Because that's what they did. It's your neighbor. It's really being at peace with all men and really uh, caring for your fellow man, just like the Lord Jesus cares for his creation. That's why you don't want to go hit someone in the face. Because he's made in the image of God. God cares for that vessel. The disciples want to burn someone up. Say, he's not listening to us. Call the fire from heaven and burn him alive. And what does the Lord Jesus say? What spirit are you of? This man can now be saved. Glory to God. Over to you, brother. Thanks. Okay, righteousness, as we've said, right standing with God is by faith. Now, what is faith? We've heard what love is. Love is a choice to will the highest good of another at all times. And we repeat because by repetition, something gets fastened, just like you hit a nail into wood. It's not hit into wood once. Repetition. Now, what is faith? Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And faith comes by hearing, hearing your eardrums. The Word of God. So it is good if you um, uh, read the Word of God aloud to yourself. Hmm? God said to Joshua in 1 8, Joshua 1 8, This wor word of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The word there in Hebrew is diber, it means to speak to yourself. <laughs> it reminds me of what Bugs Bunny said. He said, Of course I talk to myself, I need expert advice. But, <laughs> all right, it just came to mind. God said to Joshua, this word of the law will not depart from you, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, Eastern meditation, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, says empty yourself. Biblical meditation says make yourself full. It's always the opposite, light and darkness, fire and water. But you shall meditate on this day and night. So, for this purpose, you can do what it says, and then you will be prosperous in everything you do. And I must get this in now. You don't prosper because you claim a name and you frame and you... <laughs> you claim it, brother, and you name it. And, you know, I will be a millionaire and... You know, God is my servant. He must just do what I say. And I claim and I name and I fame. That's nonsense. God is not an occultic type of genie that comes from a lamb that does your bidding. I must uh, say this. Prosperity. Well, blessing is the shadow of obedience. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man. Prosperous is the man who does not walk, stand, sit. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the mockers, the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the law. And he meditates, he thinks over his law, day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, gives his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does will, what do you say, Angela? Prosper. Amen. That's prosperity. The ungodly is not so, but like the chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. 
So that is prosperity. It just is so clear that God uses a different value system to how this world works. Prosperity is not mansions and cars and all sorts of other things. Name it, claim it. I really like that you brought that up, brother, because that's also another deception that's crept into the church. Mm -hmm. And you know what it's done? It's made Christians more carnal, more fleshly. Mm -hmm. And then what is that? I mean, that can amount to falling away. If those riches enter into your heart, there's nothing wrong with a believer having a lot of possessions. It's just that those possessions mustn't enter into the believer's heart and become an idol. God has provided for, you know, there are some brothers and sisters, I'm sure, that uh, make a good living and they use that surplus to take care of God's need, to buy lots of Bibles, to, to make an impact, to support ministries, whatever. That's wonderful. But if those riches come into your heart and become idols, then you've got a problem. So this name it, claim it, I need to be wealthy, I need to be rich, I need to make a lot of money, all of this. You are, you are being tricked because God's value system is what we heard. What's prosperous? It's being rooted in the Lord. It's being filled with the word. It's the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus that count. Because guess what? Those things are eternal. These other things are not eternal. They're temporal. This world is passing away. Your mansions, your cars... Your castles, whatever else, your private islands, it's all just going to be demolished. It's, all just, it's not going to count for anything. Rather, set your eyes on the things which are eternal. The, the, the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. That helps us a lot. Thank you, brother. Amen. Um, that's wonderful what you said, bringing a perspective, Angelo. I'm thinking of Abraham. Now, Abraham was not rich. He was stinking rich. You know, he could rear an army from his own servants. And if I'm correct, I can be corrected. I think it was 70 people. Now, each man had a wife, children. <laughs> Abraham cared for them all. Now, David was not rich. He was stinking rich. When one reads... Uh, David is in his last days and he tells Solomon, his son, Solomon, I cannot build a temple. God said, I'm a man of blood. I waged many wars. But he said, you must build a temple. Now, since I cannot build a temple, I've accumulated some materials for you. Gold. He says, iron that cannot even be measured. And he mentions the silver and the gold and the wood. And in our money today, we talk about millions of dollars. That was David's. But the thing is, David had riches. Riches didn't have David. And David was a man according to God's heart because God was a God to David's heart. But the thing is about riches, Scripture says, Riches has deceit, the deceitfulness of riches. It can stifle the word of God in your heart, according to the um, parable of the sower. So, it's not wrong to have riches, but 
one has to have a real nice walk with the Lord to be able to handle riches effectively. And not everyone can do that. Okay, let's go on with righteousness by faith. We said that faith is a substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1, And faith comes by hearing, hearing the word by the word of God. That is uh, Romans 10.17 and it says, Romans 3.28, Therefore we conclude that the man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. 2 Corinthians 5.7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says the same. Romans 3.20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Then Galatians 3.6 repeats what is written in Genesis 15. Even as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, what now about the Sabbath? What about feasts, new moons? What about these things then? Must I uphold the Sabbath? Uh, which day is the Sabbath? Is it Saturday? Is it Friday? When? Is it Sunday? Oh, the Roman Catholic Church turned the Sabbath into Sunday. <laughs> oh, man, does it matter? <laughs> After all that you say tonight. Let's read from Galatians 4, 9. Now remember... You're in tertiary education. The dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Eh? But now, that's Galatians 4.9. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? Whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. Remember what we said? It says... Do not stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us freed, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Remember Galatians 5 1? Mm. Paul says, verse 10, Galatians 4, you observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now, is that not keeping the Sabbath? Yes, Paul says, <laughs> you make a big issue of the Sabbath. You make a big issue of the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, and all these kind of feasts. He says, it's weak and beggarly elements. Now, we must remember that the law is comprised of three sectors. You get the ceremonial laws, which are all fulfilled in Christ. Then you get the laws of health, you know, eating pork and shrimps and this and that. And now, pork is not going to keep you out of heaven. It will take you there sooner. <laughs> that section of the law 
the health laws were meant to make life easier for you on earth. Now, it's not easy to walk around with cancer that's been caused by pork, you know. Yeah. Then you get the moral laws. Now, all the moral laws of the law is fulfilled in love, as we've already stated. Galatians 5 verse 14, Romans 13 10. Now, and Jesus himself said, Matthew 7, 12, and Matthew 24, uh, 22, verse 37 to 40. We've already stated that. So again, I repeat, three sectors of the law. Ceremonial laws, which are all fulfilled in Christ. That means all the feasts and all the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, the sin offerings, and you name it, the wave offerings. Then, the health laws, which are meant to make life easier for you on earth. It's got nothing to do with you going to heaven or not. And then the moral laws, which are still in effect through the law of love. Now that sums up the law. Okay, and Paul says, these feasts and Sabbaths and special days, they're weak and beggarly elements. Let us go to um, Colossians 2, verse 16. I just want to interject there quick. Uh, and Paul said something there, lest I labored in vain. That's a profound word. Paul is saying, if this is what you got from my preaching, then, then what was the use of my preaching? True. You guys totally have missed it. You guys want to still keep Sabbaths and new moons and Rosh Hashanah and this thing and that thing. What, why is it important what we're mentioning here? Because even within Christianity now, there's like a certain movement that's creeping up. Mm-hmm. And that's to bring Christians back to the Hebrew roots. Yep. And all these other things. Again, my brothers and sisters, why on earth would you want to go back to primary school? We're in university now. We're in tertiary education. Yeah, and you want to go and play with clay in the grade one class. You know? Exactly. Yeah, Paul says you are, you are engineering students, man. You are in your master's degree. Now you want to go back to grade one. Yes. Yeah, the same analogy. All right, Colossians. 2 verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat. Now meat is the old old Elizabethan word for food. Let no man therefore judge you in food or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. What does Paul say? say? He says that Christ is the body. And the body casts a shadow. And the shadow or the foreshadowing of Christ is the Sabbath. And the feasts. The uh, New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is revealed in the New. As we've already stated in the previous podcast. Now, in our language, in our speaking, Paul says, why do you cling to a shadow and you ignore the body? Please, Colossians, 
What is more important, the shadow or the body that casts the shadow? You see? You know, we, <laughs> spiritual people can be stupid, you know? And that's why Jesus says, the children of this world is wiser in their generation than the children of light. What do you want to say, Angela? Uh, my brother, uh, what a profound revelation again on this matter of the shadow. The shadow was very helpful for the time it was in and the purpose it served. Remember this, that in the Old Testament, the Lord Jesus has not yet come in the flesh. Okay, he he's prophesied. So what do the Jews have to show them the Messiah? You know, like the sacrifices, all that. They don't have the blood of Christ. So what do they have? They have the sacrifices. The blood of the bulls and goats was pointing to the blood of Christ that was coming in time. Just like the Passover. Just like the Passover. That's a shadow. Okay, this is what I understand. The the Sabbath. A shadow of what? The shadow of the rest to come in Christ Jesus. Okay. So now look at what, and that's Hebrews 4. Now look at what the devil has done and what he's doing with Christians. Okay. And I mentioned what the devil has done so that you can understand where did this come from? You know, and people that are deceived in these movements and things like that. Okay. They had the shadow. It served a purpose. If you were living in the Old Testament, praise God, you have the shadow. It's better than nothing, right? Okay, now we're in the New Testament. We're New Testament saints. We're in university. We're living in a very blessed and special time. And the devil doesn't want you to know that, by the way. So now, Christ has come. Wow. We, we, we see the wonderful Christ in the New Testament and and the fulfillment of all the prophecies and scriptures. He's the fulfillment of every type, shadow, all of that. He's, the, he's fulfilled it all. He is the real Lamb of God. When John says, behold, the Lamb of God, he's saying, remember that Lamb of God in Exodus? He has the real one. Mm. He has the real one. Okay? Shadow, Exodus, fulfillment, Jesus. Mm. Shadow, uh, Sabbath, fulfillment, Jesus. Amen. It's all just pointing to Jesus. Jesus. Mm. Now... The devil wants you to cling to shadows. I mean, come on. Chasing shadows. Chasing shadows. What would you like? Would you like Jesus or would you like his shadow? And that's what it's about. You now have Jesus. So forget the shadows. Drop them. Okay. And cling to the Lord. You have him now. Praise God. Amen. Um, I want to... Add to what you've said there, Angelo. Hebrews 4, from verse 9 to 11. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also sees from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man falls after the same example of unbelief. That's Hebrews 4. What does it say in just ordinary language? It says that, like Angela said, the foreshadowing of the Old Testament Sabbath is Christ now. Then it was one day in seven. Now it's a 24-7. It's a spiritual rest. 
You see, Jesus spoke parables. He, he told the people in parables, uh, illustrating heavenly principles in ordinary uh, uh, examples that were well known by them at that time. He spoke about what is the kingdom of God like? It's like a net that you throw into the sea and catches fish. Now he spoke that to fishermen. Well, what do they don't not know about nets? You see? And the same way, God had to illustrate the rest that we've got in Christ through that one day of rest. It was symbolic. All right? Um, let's go to Romans 14, verse 5. One man esteems one day above another. Well, that is the guy who upholds the Sabbath, for instance. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. What does he say? Guys, it's no issue. He that regards the day regards it unto the Lord. And he that regards not the day, that's verse 6, to the Lord, he does not regard it. He that eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he that eats not to the Lord, he eats not, and he gives God thanks. Nowhere in the New Testament is there any admonition or suggestion that we must keep the Sabbath. But there is an admonition that we must labor into the rest that Christ gives. So, if you want to work on what is called Sabbath, whether it is a Saturday, whether it's a Monday, whether it's a Wednesday, it doesn't matter, then you work. Is that not liberating? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I want to, to knock off with Acts 15, but first I want to say, I cannot understand why one law of the Ten Commandments, the fourth law, the Sabbath, is so prominent. Why must we keep the Sabbath? What about honoring your father and your mother? That's law five, commandment five. What about you shall not kill? A thousand nine hundred and sixty babies are aborted slash murdered in South Africa statistically daily. 55 million babies are murdered worldwide, statistically, internationally. And uh, where's the voices for them? What about that law? You shall not kill. Numbers 35-33 says that innocent blood defiles the land. And the land cannot be cleansed. There's a curse on the land when innocent blood falls on the land. The land cannot be cleansed unless the murderer's blood falls. Now, he who legalizes abortion, those who carry out abortion, the medical world, the parents who want it and give their consent, as well as the families that give the consent, all are part of the murder. And God says, you shall not kill. That's commandment six. Now, what about that? You shall not commit adultery. That's commandment seven. Here in South Africa, in the 90s, 
we could make submissions for or against the legalization of pornography. Now, 90%, 97% of all submissions were against pornography, and it got legalized by 3%. Now, commandment number seven says, you shall not commit adultery. An ex-prostitute said, pornography is a theory, rape is the practice. Pornography and prostitution are two sides of the same coin. Pornography is a manual for rape. Now, what about that law of God? If we go to the abortion uh, murder thing, on 5 October 96, we made our last stand against the legalization of abortion in South Africa, which is the murder of the unborn, high treason in the womb. Now, 99,97% of all presentations said we don't want abortion. We are pro-lifers. Comma three of all presentations said we want abortion. It got legalized. Right? What about the law now that says you shall not kill? And all the other laws, why is the Sabbath so in prominence? Once again, if you make one facet of the law the law, then it's not the law anymore. Then it's a heresy. In the same Uh, this prosperity thing, some people make it Christianity, and then it's a heresy. There's many facets of Christianity, teaching, doctrine. Okay, I want to knock off with Acts 15, and this is so important. And I'm going to sum it up just in my ordinary language. Now, Antioch was a city quite some way north to Jerusalem. And according to Acts 13, 26, that's where the followers of the way or the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ were first time, the first time called Christians. Now these uh, people in Antioch, they were young disciples in the Lord. And then one day, oh man, the people of the circumcision of the Lord visited them from the headquarters, Jerusalem. And these profound visitors told these young disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ that unless you are circumcised and you adhere to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> oh, whoa. They sent the fax to Jerusalem, or, well, let's say the SMS the email <laughs> you are so <laughs> they send the email to Jerusalem brothers what must we do and the end of the story after uh, Peter, James and John they discuss the matter and then they let the people in Antioch know the Holy Spirit and us Say the following. Now remember, tertiary education. The Holy Spirit in us say the following. It's four things. Two has got to do with blood. Well, the people that time, um, they throttled a sheep to death because they wanted the blood to remain in the body and so that they could eat the body with the blood. But um, 
Two of these things got to do with blood. The other thing had to do with idolatry. And the other prohibition had to do with adultery or fornication. Two with blood, idolatry and fornication. Peter, James and John said, We and the Holy Spirit says, If you keep away from these things, you will be well away. Never once was a law mentioned. Never once was the Sabbath mentioned. And just another thought, it seems that Jesus loved healing on the Sabbath and really raised the Pharisees' ire on that, as if he really wanted to drive home a point. Okay, over to you, Angelo. Amen, my brother. Well, wow, what a fellowship. Um, so insightful. And I, and I totally agree with you, you know, this matter of abortion. Um, we are the voices, the bold voices. There are so many people talking about save planet Earth, save the rhinos. Not that we have absolutely no care for wildlife, but you are valuing these, these other things. I mean, there's a heartbeat in a mother's womb. No, no, that's not life, but a little... I don't know, fossil of what could be some kind of representation of life on planet Mars, which we spend billions on. Oh, there's rejoicing. There's life. We found life on Mars. What a hypocrisy. Mm. And it's so upsetting if you think about it. Now you see the devil's deception. You know, how many people go out there with their recycling? And I'm not bashing people that do this. I'm just making a comparison here. You know, the save planet Earth, you know, the carbon, the CO2, global warming, all this stuff. Uh, but let the babies get murdered, you know. And it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Can you imagine, you know, you're listening now, maybe you're getting upset because you're like, I can't believe they're mentioning abortion now on a topic that is not relevant. Oh, it's definitely relevant. Remember we said the acts of love, okay. Is that love <laughs> that you go and absolutely destroy another life is that love and i think people haven't seen that 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 abortion is murder and you just got to see it for what it is can you imagine if you were aborted your whole life what you experience now gone just like that that's how serious this thing is we really need to reflect we really need to come to god's word god cares for life god gives life and takes it away let no man try and come in there and play God and do that. So, yeah, I, that was really a blessing. Uh, our brother was mentioning pornography there as well. I mean, look at that chokehold on today's youth. Uh, you see it in the schools today. It's so sad. Children are getting exposed. What do you think happens to a seven-year-old's mind when he gets exposed to that rubbish? Absolute perversion and disgrace. And that child is a sitting duck. But God is merciful and, and there are ways for that child to come out of that. There are success stories in that. But yeah, look at where the advocate the, the advocates or what you call the social justice warriors, you know? <laughs> where are they when it comes to these matters? Well it just shows you at the end of the day what this is really about. It's an agenda. We should really care for the things that God cares for. And um not major on the minors. And yeah, so so much for saving the planet, but we can't speak up for those who are not born yet. 
Anyway, that's quite profound. Yeah, thank you, my brother. Hallelujah. This was glorious. Uh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, we don't want to go back to grade one, that's for sure. Uh, we want to remain in university. We want to be well-pleasing to the Father because we want to, not because we have to. There's a huge difference between the two. We're not trying to score brownie points with God, but it's because God has poured His love into my heart. I delight to serve my brothers and sisters and my neighbor through acts of love. Where the rubber hits the road, it's all good and well to talk about it. But I encourage you and I challenge you, acts of love, brothers and sisters, really let that light shine. And that light shines by just being light. You know, I have a light shining right now in the room where we, we're at now. The light is shining. You know, that light's not making a big noise. It's just there. And we know that that light is on. So I encourage you, the Lord sends you out to be light. Be that light. Uh, praise God. Yep. Hallelujah. Law versus faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bless you all. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can visit our website at www.biblestudyangelo.com for free Christian material and other resources to help you in your journey with the Lord. You can also send us a message on our website. If you want to contact us or if you have any questions, follow us on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook with the handle at Bible Study Angela. Have a blessed day. Jesus Christ is Lord.